Welcome to episode six of the Crossplay Podcast. It's still going. We're still here. You still get to slash have to listen to us. Uh, depending on whether this is being used uh, for pleasure or pain, I'm not sure. Uh, but <laughs> it's up to each of you. Uh, I'm Chandler Wood. Cameron Teague. Jason Faulkner. I'm Paul Tambora. And that's that's all of us, and we talk about things like games and uh, whether games are great or whether games are crap. Whether and we love I games, whether we hate games. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like games, but I know Jason <laughs> wasn't a big fan of a recent game. Ooh, it's gonna be hard to talk about Destiny Two Warmind without just start cursing and slamming the microphone. Uh, God, it sucks. It's so bad. <laughs> It's I'm like gonna, I'm gonna throw this right out here before you start running into that whole thing and say that I have the complete opposite opinion. Uh, but go ahead. Go really? Oh shit! Yes. Oh man, I just I don't know. Curse of Osiris disappointed me so much with how uh, just terrible everything about it was. Uh, don't like Osiris. Don't like Mercury. Uh, don't care for the with you there. the infinite forest. <laughs> so I was like, surely were mine like my expectations are so low that this is going to be great i went into it and i was pumped i was like man this is totally not going to be curse of osiris which is not how a a studio should like get you revved up for their content like <laughs> it's better than that terrible content so ugh. but uh it's just it was tiny you know i kind of blocked out uh saturday like all morning i was like okay i'm gonna try and get through most of the campaign and you know uh i thought you meant like you'd blocked it out then as if like you'd eradicate it from your mind because you disliked <laughs> playing destiny that much i wish i could but it's it's burnt in there now um but yeah i blocked it out you know i set aside time i was like surely the campaign's gonna be like five six hours uh but no it's like the length of an avengers movie pretty much except not as interesting uh and they still needed filler content for that it was like a three-hour campaign, and we still had to have one mission in uh, the EDZ because they couldn't they couldn't fill out Mars enough to keep it all on Mars. We had to go uh, protect a piece of uh, the Traveler while well, our, our to, ghost scanned it or you whatever. Had to get it. Yeah, you had to get it, but it, it was just makes another sense for the narrative. I mean, I really personally, I like that they actually tie in new narrative with old locations. So it doesn't feel like it's completely, uh, uh, separated, but I do agree that the campaign was excessively short and that, uh, Zol and Nocris, uh, the, the two boss characters, even Rasputin and Anna Bray, they, they weren't really done a huge amount of justice in the campaign. So from a narrative standpoint, I agree but from a getting me back on my destiny to my my destiny thing uh curse of osiris did not do that for me i when i logged in to play curse of osiris it was like a chore for me to play it with warmind i've been playing quite a bit this last week just to try and get all of the the end game stuff the grind escalation protocol uh and and fill out all that and i have been loving it and loving getting back on with my my clan mates my friends uh playing again we're all having a blast with it again 
the the big update content where they added all the exotic um, catalysts where you can do the exotic masterworks that's a really fun grind to do and and I love the grind now I read your your review and your review points and you said that the grind was a negative for you yeah I mean uh, Destiny is kind of a weird game to me because it's got this duality where the campaign uh, and a lot of the content seems like it's single player centric you know like the campaign you're the hero uh, it doesn't really I don't know encourage a multiplayer run through but then it's like when you go through all that and you invest all this time as a single player experience then you get to a point where it's like you have to you have to have a fire team and you have to have uh, six friends and blah 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 uh, which would be okay you know I'm all for multiplayer and I think it's uh, you know a, a fun a fun way to do it uh, I like the idea of raids um, six people working together you know uh, six people puzzles that's interesting to me but uh, there's no matchmaking in the game uh, so you play through the whole game solo I have like a weird schedule so I can't it would be impossible almost for me to find six people who would all want to play at the same time I did. So, uh, you know, normally in a normal game, you would have a matchmaking thing where you go to raid and it's like, okay, there's a lobby or, you know, just straight matchmaking where it's like, boom, six people together, have fun. Uh, but there's not. You have to go off of Destiny 2 and then you have to go to, you know, uh, the the Craig Destiny 2 Craigslist on Destiny2.net or whatever. And, uh, you know, um, Titan, Titan for uh, raids, you know, and put your light level and then have to deal with, you know, interviewing or whatever because people take it super seriously. What can't and you just take, Mike? I just fell asleep while you, you can were match mentioning that. For, like, strikes <laughs> and I think nightfalls. There's you matchmaking. Can't, you can't matchmake for Nightfalls. So, it's not so for Nightfalls, nightfall, so strikes. strikes. I do agree Nightfalls need matchmaking. I vehemently disagree on raids using matchmaking. What's I the think logistical the reason for not thing. introducing it? I don't understand. Because uh, raids are fundamentally, you have to have six people that have synergy together. And even with those those pickup groups that you get on like a, an LFG, a look, looking for group site you get people who are just just absolute garbage they're not synergistic at all they are I, I mean it it really sucks to play with somebody who's just not all there and if if you're doing the matchmaking thing how does it determine who's fire team leader how does it determine who can kick who from the group to you know if they're not pulling their weight in the raid or if they're just trolling everybody and just you know kind of being a jerk or whatever with the way it is now like you have to have a fire team leader you have to have somebody who is the person who is controlling the group and if somebody in that group isn't isn't pulling their weight and i i don't know i've i've tried raids like i played i played like 15 1600 hours of destiny one and i've already put close to 300 400 hours into destiny two uh, done a whole lot of raids and stuff and I would I would never ever want to play a purely match made raid group surely there should I think be, it would be awful. Too. Surely you should, should still have the option though yeah because the thing is yeah. so I've played the I haven't done any raids in the second destiny but in the first destiny I played raids and I, I was shit so like <laughs> nobody's gonna wanna like play with me <laughs> I played I played alongside friends 
and we were all terrible at it. It was just a, a laugh. Like we wasn't taking it particularly seriously doing the raid or whatever. But like, effectively, if I didn't have those friends, then you'd just be locked out of playing raids at all. Yeah. I, I don't really understand that. Like, I do think I mean, it should be an option. The, the thing is, uh, you you do a match made group, you're going to be locked out of playing the raid anyway because you're not going to get anywhere. It's it is fundamentally like you all have to be on mic. Uh, you have to be communicating very, very effectively. I'm here, I'm here, go here, go here. Okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Like, raids are very, very intricate. Like you said, they're six-man puzzles. And mm-hmm. every one of those six people has to be on point or at least willing to and, and be open to communication and feedback and taking direction and things. And with, with pure matchmaking where you're getting six people, six random people together that is just the, the chances of that happening yeah. to make it effective and I think people's impressions of the raids would actually be worse if matchmaking was there mm. because they would go wow this is just shit content because I matchmake into it and nobody knows what they're doing and nobody does anything right nobody talks to each other and we all I, wasted four hours of our day and then left I kind no. of get what you're saying because I played a bunch of MMOs, WoW and stuff, and, and I did raids, and I remember like the hour-long meeting before raids to iron out what everybody was going to do, mm. and that was in my younger years, but I don't know. I hear that I have to go on a website and put in a secret code that's only shown at certain times yeah. of the day in the moonlight, and then I have to give my <laughs> DNA sample and everything just to get a raid, and I'll just move on to another game at that yeah. point. But then again, I don't like Destiny. I think it's overrated. And I could even be behind, like, okay, there's no matchmaking if the game had any social tools. Like, it's the only game I think I know that I can think of off the top of my head that has social spaces, but there's no in-game chat. There's no, you know, how are you supposed to make friends in Destiny? Like, emote to them until, (laughs) like, you guys form a kinship. It's like I, uh, I will agree that there does need to be some kind of within the social spaces, some kind of like waiting room. Uh, basically, te- take those those out of game LFG looking for group environments and put them into the game where people can kind of queue up for the raid, but it's not inherently just a, a randomized matchmaking like you would click on a multiplayer you know deathmatch game and go into matchmaking. So yes, I I do agree with that, and I I am pretty confident that might be something they're working towards for the September expansion, uh, or for the September update. But uh, there there's a lot of things that are going to yeah. come into play there. I just think with like how bad Curse of Osiris was, uh, and how little faith the communities had in uh, Bungie actually figuring out what they want to do with the game, um, that this was just a step back. I I think they would have been better off saying, you know what, we had an expansion uh, ready to go, but we wanted uh, to give you more. We wanted to really knock it out of the park for you guys, so we're going to move it back two or three months. And then, you know, really... pretty hot on it. I mean, I've seen mixed signals on it. Uh, I was just about to ask what the community said about it. I mean, uh, it's not as bad as Curse of Osiris, but I don't think it's the uh, the content pack that Destiny 2 really needed to uh, get back on top and bring back in, you know, bring the viewer or the player count back up. 
No, no, and it was never intended to be that. That's that's going to be the September stuff because it, you know, this one was already well in the works before uh, all of the feedback was starting to be accepted. So they they pivoted what they could on it, but I don't think this one was ever intended to be like the big one. But I think it's for me, it's a huge leap in the right direction, and like to have friends that are extremely and we're extremely critical of the game and we're honestly ready to put it down and just a hundred percent be done with it, not play it again. Um, to have them back on and excited about playing it and excited about grinding for things. And again, I know that's, that's kind of where you and I are different where I loved grinding destiny because I, I put 1600 hours into the first game and that like, this is my social game. This is my Friday night. I, I don't, go out for drinks on a friday night i go to the moon <laughs> you know <laughs> so yeah that's kind of me. a different Ooh. take on it war mine made me feel like going out and taking a couple drinks but <laughs> no nah, i i mean and and i'll be the first to recognize it it did have interesting facets to it like it was going somewhere it just didn't really get there all the way uh but you know i my, i have an open mind for the third expansion since uh the Taken King, you know, was such a big thing for Destiny. Uh, hopefully, they'll be able to pull uh, another one of those off for Destiny too. Yeah, you know, honestly, one other game that I'm really not sure what direction it's going though is uh, Rage Two. <laughs> <laughs> was there even a Rage One? I think Bethesda just skipped right to Rage Two. They're like, guys, check this out. Check out the sequel. Play it. <laughs> I, it's I the honestly don't co- remember it one bit. It was that it, it was it id software. Uh, I think it was id software. Was it id software? Am I saying it right? Is it oh, yeah. Is it id software? It's id software. It's id. Yeah. Oh, it good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was like that incredibly, incredibly brown, muddy game. Uh, it was Mad Max, right? It was. It was, yeah, it it was, was Mad, Mad Max. Max, not Mad Max. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't play. Here's it. what's funny. So, so Rage Two is actually being developed uh, by Avalanche Studios, who made Mad Max. Mad Max was good. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, yeah, like you take Rage, which is basically a Mad Max ripoff. You know, or I, I don't want to say it's a Mad Max ripoff game because Mad Max came after it, but you know, the Mad Max style of of yeah. post apocalyptic, just brown dirt everywhere. Yeah. Um, it was a game that I. I guess I wanted to play, but never got around to, and then what, Rage or never Max? actually did. Uh, no, no, Rage. Rage. It's um, it, it's it looks like they've kind of gone with the whole wacky vibe for it, but again, it's uh, it's not gameplay footage in the actual trailer, is it? It's just a just it's a few just the gameplay footage. So, oh, so tomorrow by the, the time gameplay footage. people yeah. listen right. to this, uh, the gameplay footage will be out. And we'll sound like idiots, but like we yeah. don't know what we're talking about. That, like, right Simpsons, now, we don't know like, what we're talking about. Thing where we like superimpose one of us giving our opinion about <laughs> it right now. <laughs> we'll leave a segment off, and then one of us can say, "Look, gameplay footage was shit, Man, or it was great." Rage two is Rage two is great. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't, I, I don't I, understand what they're gonna. Um, I don't understand why this is a sequel that they've done. It's it's a weird one. And I'm also surprised that they just haven't gone the prey route and have just sacked, like not sacked off the uh, the number at the end and just called it Rage because nobody remembers the first one. Yeah. I, I just wonder who yeah, was actually well. asking for a remake or a, a, a sequel. Did it do well? I don't. 
I, I remember it was hyped because uh, the engine could do uh, huge textures or whatever, but the textures just ended up to be brown. Yeah, so, and, and they—I think the textures didn't even work. Textures. They didn't work on um. They didn't. They didn't load on Sounds PS3 like either. That was like a big thing. I remember the textures on the PS3 just apps just didn't load in whatsoever. I don't know why. I honestly just know how to spell the the title of the game, and that's about it. <laughs> at this point. Yeah, it seems like. I'm not sure what kind of vibe they're going for with this game, and I'm really hoping, and, and we'll see what we'll get tomorrow, but they have this, like, you know, the pink color. Mm. Like, they're trying to add this splash of color to the game, and I really hope that's not just for the marketing materials, <laughs> that the game itself actually does kind of move away from Daigler. just the brown, drab, dead, kind yeah. of boring uh, overall look. I love that it was the first game. Everybody just complained about it being so brown. So like in Rage 2, they're just like, oh, well this time we've got pink. <laughs> they just show off a really neon colour palette and then everybody buys it. it they've just gone... It's I'm really not into the zany, off-the-wall uh, little sense of humour thing if they're going that route. I have no idea if they are or not, obviously, because we haven't seen gameplay. But um, people have been saying, oh, it might lean heavily into Borderlands. And I hope it doesn't lean into Borderlands. I find Borderlands really yeah. hard to cope with. I'm with you on that. I find it very boring. Yeah, it's just like... It's Bo- a bit. Borderlands is just like meme the game. And I'm not into play- playing meme the game. It's a bit much. Mm. Bethesda's interesting, though, because they... Right now... I mean, aside from Rage 2 now, that's that's been technically announced... Mm they don't have any future content like if you go and look at their you know list of games that are coming out they don't have any future content that's coming out that that has been announced for the future like everything that is made by Bethesda is already released up to this point so we're looking at a big E3 this year and and uh, Pete Hines even said that on it on his Twitter uh, where he said this is probably the biggest uh, Bethesda E3 showcase we've ever done and it makes sense because they they literally have nothing announced for the future yet. So we have to get this slate of of titles that Bethesda is going to be putting out over the next year or two. Um, so okay. what what what, something. what are the predictions? What have people been saying might be released by Brink Two? Please, I would rather have Brink <laughs> Two. Is that serious? Would you actually like a Brink Two? I really would. I actually really enjoyed it. I, I know like three Brink people who love who loved Brink, the first Brink. It seems like about ten people in total love that game, and everybody else was like, "Eh." I'd rather see a sequel to that than Rage. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I'm thinking we'll get like new Fallout, new new uh, uh, Elder Scrolls. New. I mean, they're they're staple series. We're gonna see. Uh, at least some teasers and previews for for that stuff. Surely there wouldn't be a new Fallout yet. When was the last one released? 2015? 16? 15. Oh, God. It's the Elder Scrolls turn. Yeah. Yeah. But (laughs) they have the Elder Scrolls online. uh, Fallout release on rock. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know if they want to... If they want to kind of overshadow Elder Scrolls Online right now or if Elder Scrolls Online counts as that mid, you know, Elder Scrolls 
release and then yeah. it's back to fallout so who knows what what they're doing there but yeah i i expect we'll see a lot of stuff um and rage 2 being announced early i think is saving room for the bigger heavy hitting announcements to actually show up at the the e3 showcase well rage 2 isn't going to be the big announcement <laughs> imagine if they just went with that as like the marquee announcement and <laughs> it was just like where was rage 1 <laughs> I think they were testing the waters to see how the reaction would be. Oh gosh, I'm glad we didn't go with that as the yeah, reveal. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, guys, guys, get Fallout ready quick. <laughs> well, Walmart announced it, didn't they? Walmart yeah. announced it with like 10 other games or something. It was while um, I was on vacation. I just looked and on Twitter, everybody was like, Walmart's leaked all of these games. And then, like, Bethesda had to comment on it. What other games did Walmart leak? Uh, like a new Splinter Cell, um, Just Cause Four, Ugh. something called Destiny Comet. Um, uh, that's new- that's the uh, they they expansion. call the mid the yearly expansions the Comet expansions because uh, of the big ones that come right. in and change everything. It sounds like Ubisoft might as well not turn up to E3. Just go onto the Walmart website. You know, out of that whole list, Rage Two was the one that made me go like, "Oh, these must be fake." This must yeah. have just been a mistake. Yeah, and then Bethesda—it's wow. the one that gets confirmed, right? Yeah. Bethesda like comment on it, didn't they? On, they put a, posted a little tweet where like they had um, the description wrote in like Comic Sans, and I thought, oh right, okay, oh, so yeah. I lean into this, and then it just got announced. <laughs> right, fair enough. Yeah, their their marketing on that, their their whole social team uh, doing the marketing for that was just brilliant. The way yeah. they were like. Uh no, sorry, wrong font. It's not in all caps. Yeah. The cover's not going to be black like this. It's <laughs> yeah. ESRB ratings not down here in the corner. This is all wrong and they did it in that that pink color. Yeah. You know, they're really leaning into that pink color. Yeah. And now the game will be released and it'll be completely dark brown. <laughs> A lighter dark brown, tan. Yeah, tan. Now Beige. tan. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, speaking of what we're going to see at E3, you guys heard about uh, what Sony announced for their E3 conference, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're not PlayStation Lifestyle, but we have heard. <laughs> you, you, you've you heard? We've heard. Uh, so- we Sony, heard. the Sony PlayStation? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we say it over here, the yeah, PlayStation. I can imagine. Uh. Yeah, so Sony's E3 2018 uh, is going to include deep dives into... Death Stranding, The Last of Us 2, Ghost of Tsushima, and uh, Spider-Man. Um, and I think... so. I, personally, I think people are taking um, uh, Sean Layden's comments on this a little bit out of context, and they're like going, oh, well, their E3 conference is just going to be these four games, and that's it. And the way that I took it is that their E3 conference is kind of going back to how they used to do things four or five years ago where it wasn't just these recent huge reels of of new releases and trailers and games and well they did that and, last year didn't they uh psx they they slowed it down a little bit but what was the one where they they started off with the orchestra and then just showed us games that we already know i'm sure that was a3 2017 oh yeah 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 that was when they showed god of war uh, but they still, 2016 they still showed other stuff I, i'm with chandler on this i think you know they're still gonna have surprises they'd be stupid not to 
but they're going to spend a lot more time actually diving into these four games yeah and, and giving us a lot of good information on them which i miss i've i, I wrote a whole article about uh, that last year was it maybe sometime around just after e3 where basically i was just tired of of these show reels of trailers that i can sit and watch on youtube if i want i i want as opposed like, to the, the gameplay footage insight. you can watch on <laughs> you can watch on youtube <laughs> well but but i want i want more of that developer insight i want more of uh, you know to kind of know what i'm getting into rather than yeah oh well i just saw a, a three four minute trailer you know i just saw five minutes of gameplay but nobody was talking over it like if you're going to show me gameplay have a developer sit there and talk over it and give me some insight into the game and oh we're doing this because of this and we're doing this because of this and yeah we think this thing's going to be really interesting and i i think that's the benefit of these these trade shows these press shows is the ability to put the creators of these games face forward and and actually show them to gamers who otherwise you know the only thing that they know is the the trailers and the gameplay and that's it yeah so to actually have somebody the human behind the game go hey here's why we're thinking of doing this and what we're thinking of doing etc i think that's a good move yeah well we've gone far past the point now with e3 haven't we where um if they just show endless amounts of trailers it's really beneficial to have anybody in the audience whatsoever, regardless. Because the people at home, like Jason and I, will be covering it. And it basically will have the same experience as you would yeah. if it's just endless amounts of trailers. So from that perspective, if they're like holding press conferences, it makes much more sense that they'd actually have people on stage that you actually get something out of it rather than just watching a series of trailers, like I said, that you can just watch on Twitch or youtube or whatever so it definitely makes more sense that way i i will say i i do i have some great memories though of some epic trailers that just hit one after the other and i'm like oh my gosh an overload of awesomeness and so i do enjoy that yeah but i do also like the moments like you're talking about i think it was the guy who did um oh, he did that game about that stupid red thing um <laughs> refaction oh, no red alert. unravel Oh. oh, oh, yeah, yeah. And he got Garnies really excited about it. I think oh, that was I loved that him. game. He was, he was a nice man. He got really nervous, didn't he? And he was holding his little, yeah. little toy. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> those, those things you wouldn't get in just a highlight reel show. You, you actually get to see them up there and see these developers nervous and excited, yeah. and and that's kind of a cool thing. Or, or uh, the twisted metal reveal, where Sweet Tooth came out on the. <laughs> on the stage I like it when Microsoft have a new car game to show and they just bring a big car out that's my favourite thing <laughs> of E3 every year they're just like we've got a new car game and then a really really expensive car will turn up and they'll just wheel it out later uh, I liked it yeah, who, was the, uh, who was the Ubisoft guy uh, for, was it For Honor he was like he had a walking stick he had like a cane and he was basically a pirate I don't remember oh, maybe I fall asleep <laughs> during most of Ubisoft's it was press another conferences. Good one. It was a good call. Ubisoft and EA, to me, are just like... Like, EA, stop with your freaking uh, getting a sports star on stage to try and talk about, 
you know, you, you talk about sports for 15 minutes and then you try and have the sports stars start talking about like Sims Mobile and they're sitting there going like, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Pele is just sitting up there on stage going, yeah. I don't know what you want me to do. What's going on? And then Ubisoft is just like, they just want to have a party on stage and just like dance and they want to get, uh, uh, what's her name, Girlwood constantly getting up there talking uh, about getting yeah. Girlwood over games or whatever. Yeah. And it just feels so disingenuous. Like, like I, I when if I want somebody on stage talking about it, I want somebody that's going to be passionate about the game, and that's going to be the developer of the game. I don't care that they're not a celebrity, that they're not selling the game. They're they're selling me on the passion behind them making the game, and I think that's way more important. Mm. Locked, uh, Locked Cameron said though, the uh, when the when the good trailers start hitting. Like even the um, Nintendo when they just was like, and we also have Metroid Prime Four, and then the logo showed up. That was just, that, that was like yeah. a highlight for me, <laughs> and I, and nothing happened. So I think I'm part of the problem. <laughs> and I I think uh, that Sony will do something like that at this year's E3. I don't think literally their entire showcase is only going to be those four games. I think if they'll it is, show they're stupid. Some, yeah, it, yes, exactly. What else do they have left in terms of their IPs that could potentially surprise anybody that haven't already been out on PS4? Like, I, I, I want another Ratchet IPs, and Clank. But, like, uh, yeah, like they but, did the Ratchet and Clank remake, but... Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's already... Yeah, but in terms of actual... Resistance... It's not something really that is like a huge like God of War or Uncharted though, is it? And we've already had those. So I can't really think of what else they could show that... Because, I mean, it's sequels, isn't it, that get people really going? Uh, well, I the, mean, they could they could really surprise you with anything. I mean, I think Spider-Man kind of came out of left field. Oh, uh, yeah. That, you know, they could really... And I think they would be really dumb, is a nice way of putting it, yeah. to um to just focus on those four games and be done. Because part of my issue with Sony in past has been spending time. Well, I guess if you're going to spend time showing a game that's already been announced, you need to have developers up there playing it. I think it was last year where they released a Spider-Man trailer. It's like, well, we already knew about Spider-Man. Yeah, that closed the show with it, didn't they? I think they yeah, closed their conference with it. It's like, okay, well, great. I already knew about Spider-Man. I want to yeah. know. I want to learn. Everybody wants surprises, and if you're going to tell us about a game that's already been revealed you do need to have someone up there giving us more detail than just a trailer yeah yeah the the details of the games have to or the you know the trailer if it's a trailer for a game that's already released or uh, been announced um has to have some kind of surprise in the trailer to kind of turn around our expectations on what we think we know about the game i think the biggest question for me on sony's conference is uh whether we'll see gameplay of Death Stranding or just a trailer of CG Norman Reedus doing naked cartwheels on a beach. <laughs> gameplay I, I of Death Stranding would be... Have, I don't think you'll have gameplay. I really they don't. They said a deep dive into each of those games, so I, I almost expect gameplay for every single one of them. Yeah. What could they do outside of the gameplay now? I think they're at a point with Death Stranding where if they do another, like obtuse teaser people will be a little bit turned off not that it matters people are going to buy you're, it anyway you're but missing it it's going to be Norman Reedus and 
Kojima just sword fighting on stage. <laughs> <laughs> no, no trailer, like, no video. Cords. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Kojima just whispers metaphor and then <laughs> they turn all the lights off. <laughs> turn them back on and there's just a tank there. A tank <laughs> replaces a tank's replaced the presenter. You turn around the cameraman. No, he's gone. It's another tank. Man. It's just Kojima just inside tanks. one of those baby tanks. Those, <laughs> those baby uh, pods or whatever. I'm looking forward to seeing how glass. social media affects Death Stranding. That's apparently a big thing. An article ran where it was like, oh, Death Stranding's part Black Mirror, part Facebook. That's got me going. What's that going to be? <laughs> I, I don't even know what, like, yeah. I, at this point, I'm not even speculating on Death Stranding anymore. I'm just like... Feed it into my veins, Kojima. Give it to me. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. And it's going to be completely different than we all think it's going to be. I'm Pretty still much. hoping uh, he's just trolling and it's Metal Gear 6. I'm hoping that it's Battle Royale. That this whole, this whole break with Konami is actually just a farce. <laughs> yeah. 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 Jeff, Cayley, Jeff Cayley would would have felt betrayed. <laughs> oh, no, he's in on it. He's in oh, on it. I think he's in on it. <laughs> just photos on Jeff Curley's Instagram every now and again of him having like a fish supper with Kojima. Just... Um. So so speaking of things as as top secret as Death Stranding's narrative will be, even after we finish playing it, uh, Platinum Games is <laughs> teasing a top secret game. What's it supposed to be? It said Vanquish it's an action two. game, isn't Vanquish it? Two. Vanquish, Vanquish two. Vanquish two. Oh, Vanquish Gosh, two, please. I would give up Chandler's left and right testicle for Vanquish Two. <laughs> what could it? Be? What 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 else could it possibly? What else could it be? Is it supposed to be a brand new game, or is it? Do, do we literally know nothing about it's it? It's just it's basically someone's working on a top secret game. Oh right. Basically, I mean, there's really nothing to know outside of that. Wonderful one hundred two. Oh gosh, no! Come on. <laughs> I never played Wonderful One Hundred One. People said it was good. Mm-hmm. Turtles, Turtles Two. Do another crappy mutant turtles game. <laughs> just, is that what they just did? Do Vanquish, please. Did they do TMNT? I think so. Oh no! Oh jeez! What? But Platinum Games is the weirdest, like hit and miss studio yeah. where they will they will release amazing hack and slash games, and then they have released some utter crap hack and slash games. And so this top secret game could either be like the next you know huge, big, good, amazing hack and slash game, or it could be the next really terrible. <laughs> Platinum Games, games is game. one of those where I know that they're iconic or whatever, but I'm still quite surprised that they're still around. Because they do have a lot of flops, and nothing they do seems to do really well. And wasn't Scalebound completely cancelled? Was they working? Yeah. They was working on Scalebound, wasn't they? That was theirs. But I don't, I don't see. Was I don't think Scalebound was them, was it? I thought it was. Well, even if I it mean, was, it was, I doubt it was an Xbox Google. exclusive. Yes, it was Platinum yeah. Games, and I don't think that was them yes. though, really, because everything I saw of the game looked great. Um. Oh yeah, but I mean it was still cancelled. Though I'm just saying I don't really get how they, um, yeah. Because Considering they... now a studio can be really really successful, have like one shitty flop, and then get canned 
Platinum Games still makes single player games only really uh, oh. has a whole bunch of underperforming games and then still seems to do really well I think it's because when they hit they really hit you know Nier really hit um, yeah Bayonetta really hit um, you've got Mad World which was actually a really cool game yeah I mean um, Transformers Devastation I know a lot of people oh, didn't like it I actually liked it they must just not have like use huge budgets for the games. Yeah, it's not like EA where they channel a small country's uh, GDP into it, <laughs> and if yeah. it flops, you know, there's yeah. no choice but to close the studio. Like uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, it's like the budget's a hundred million or something for it. And I, nice, nice seg there, right into that other. Oh, topic. I didn't even think I, about bravo. it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And on we go. Yes. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, so while we're at it, like you were saying, Shadow of the Tomb Raider's budget is between 75 and $100 million to make. Yeah. That, wow. Like. Stop uh, making your game so expensive because then there's the risk of people not buying them and then your studio shutting down. We don't need a $100 million games. It doesn't need to happen. We don't need every single hair on the strand of Lara, on Lara Croft's arm to be individually recreated. I don't understand why it keeps happening. Hell, the developers of Hellblade did it. They made a really good game and it looked great and it was like for $10 million. Just call them up. Ask them how to do it. Well, and I, I have to wonder, like, you look at something like, like Shadow of the Tomb Raider, what does a Shadow of the Tomb Raider that cost $50 million to make look like versus this Shadow of the Tomb Raider that cost 75 to $100 million to make? Like, what is the fundamental difference if you restrict your budget by half, by whatever? Like, what gets taken yeah. out of the game or the whatever? The team size. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I mean, a lot of this, their teams just get ridiculous in size, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they can crank it out in two years instead of five. Yeah. For that much, I guess. We obviously don't know the ins and outs of this kind of thing. But it just, it really strikes me as odd when you've got, like, people like the, I can't remember the names, but the Hellblade developers came out and there was, like, we've actually got a format now that could change triple a development uh they did theirs for 10 mil i'm not sure i don't think it took them that long because people were surprised that they'd done it so quickly well they were a smaller team too they were were. 20 people i think yeah and then other other developers they're just like i'm they just keep funneling money publishers just funnel money into them and then get surprised i mean didn't the last tomb raider i think I, i don't know whether this is right but it made 75 million I don't. That might not be right, but I'd have to look. Yeah, I was thinking because I, th- I remember there's a thing about it like just managing to break even, and I just don't understand. You could, we could be getting, we could be getting a new Guardians of Light or something if they just <laughs> cut the budget down, put ten million into Gu- Guardians of Light or whatever that uh, that top down Tomb Raider was called that was really good. Yeah, there's got to be diminishing returns too, because it's like, how much better does a game that costs seventy-five million to hundred million do? Yeah, because you know, there's plenty of indie games that I know are selling hand over fist, made for you know, less than a million dollars. Yeah, so it's I, like, it's got to they... be size of team and marketing and everything to that. I effect. guarantee part of that's marketing budget. There's there's no way that they they talk about oh, you the, know. Like, in the article, it says. 75 to 100 million 
plus $35 million for promotion. Oh. Okay. Well, what the wow. fuck, why the fuck are they spending any money on promotion? Just get guys yeah. on track. You still have it. the Shadow of the Tomb Raider loco <laughs> on the laptops. <laughs> the game sells itself, itself, I would think. And, you know, why don't they just pull the Square Enix route and have one guy make trailers for 10 years till it finally does the remake and releases it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, like you're, if you cut down on development a lot, you're going to push your game back, you know, from a 2019 game to, like, a 2023 game. I set you up for a segue on that one, but I didn't get any major props like, <laughs> like Tamburino did. <laughs> oh, he didn't even set it up. He just went, he barreled straight into it. stumbled into it. it. That's he, what was so impressive. Didn't even know he, I was doing he it. He stumbled into the wine barrel, shut the lid, and went down the uh, <laughs> the, the little river to the city on the lake. I was trying I'm to... doing f- Hobbit references. I, I, did, I, did. <laughs> I feel like this is getting racist. <laughs> oh, didn't yeah. even... I was Googling on that one either. <laughs> I, was go- I was Googling uh, how much Rise of the Tomb Raider sold, and I, I don't know, I haven't, I haven't got the right amount. I was worried that I was getting into a bit of like a beautiful mind territory there where I'd actually remember <laughs> the exact number of units that Tomb Raider sold, so I just wanted to double check, but I can't find it now. But yeah, just stop making your game so expensive, it's fucking useless. I, it just ends up with just people getting sacked all the time, and I don't understand yeah. why it happens. Well, you know, like I said, it's it's either expensive or it gets pushed back until 2023, like the Final Fantasy VII remake. Is. Oh, shit, sorry, I've missed it. <laughs> missed the opportunity, yeah. right? Okay, there we yeah. go. Allegedly. Yeah. Hey, I'll say I called it, because I was saying that we wouldn't see that game until 2020 or later, and now it's looking like even later mm. and later, which I seriously think... I, I think Square Enix's problem is is they they announce a game and then they take everybody that could be working on that game and they move them to this other game they announced at the same time. Well, wait, a couple months in, well, we just announced this game, so now we need to take half the staff over there, but we need to leave one guy making trailers for the remake so people Mm. think we're still working on it. I think they spread themselves too thin. Spread themselves too thin and announce too early. They want to get people hyped and they, they know they're like, Okay, we're Square Enix, and and we know. Oh, people wanted the Final Fantasy VII remake, right? Well, we're working on it. We don't want it to get leaked because inevitably it's going to get leaked. Mm. So we're just going to head that all off at the pass by just announcing it now and, but I, and showing off this trailer. And then, I wonder oh, if that's well, Sony though that pushed them to announce it. Yeah, I mean, it was not wasn't a bad idea to announce it, was it? Really, I think Sony absolutely ran away with that E three just on the back of. Final Fantasy 7 and Shenmue 3. Uh, so I don't think it was necessarily a but bad idea. But what sucks is that's, that was how many E3s ago? I mean, I think like I think my wife was at that E3 oh, yeah. with me, which was a long time ago. Oh yeah, but was, both games are probably going to be shit at now. That's the, <laughs> it's okay, it's only the announcement, but I, I, so, I just can't imagine yeah, it'll like, be good. We're, we're three years later and we're not even... It, did you say it was 2014 or 2015? 2015 was the official announcement. Yeah. So, we're three years later, and literally, I don't feel any closer to Final Fantasy VII Remake than I did watching that initial announcement trailer in 2015. Yeah. You know you know what, though? That's kind of Square Enix. They keep their cards real close to their chest until they're uh, ready to put it out. Like, Kingdom Hearts 3 is coming out 
at the end of the year, and we barely yeah, see right. anything about that. Oh, that can't be coming out at the end of the year, it, can it? I know they they said today that um, it was for sure still coming out, but uh, I highly doubt it. Yeah, a Western studio at this point, we we would have probably seen a full gameplay video. Probably would have seen a sequel. Like, yeah, the whole the whole thing from beginning to end. Yeah. Well, I I just think they, I, quite honestly, I mean, you you announced the remake of seven but you're still working on kingdom hearts 3 and you know most of their staffers seem to be moving between the two games it's not like they have two separate teams it almost feels like well this guy's going to be over here but then we need him to move over here but he's got to finish here but then we announced a third game and it it seems just like a mess yeah Yeah. i mean that'll probably be their main game after kingdom hearts 3 but they'll still have to uh you know, restart the whole project at least once or twice and move engines a couple times and then And then know. they got rid of CyberConnect two and took it all in house, which I think was pretty stupid. Final, final, how how is Square Enix still profitable after doing like because they did the same thing with Final Fantasy fifteen, like just all right, restart development, scrap it, start over, like Because what? it's Final Fantasy and for the most part it could sell itself. They're probably profitable because of Realm Reborn. That's probably getting like fifty to sixty mm-hmm. percent of the profits right now. That game still has loads of people playing it, and it's still fantastic. It's a good game, yeah. So I'm not surprised. And they've had some flops recently because thirteen did not sell that well, and the seven sequels that followed didn't do that well either. Well, I don't get about, about the seven remake. Is that wasn't there that report from somebody at Square that said they're splitting it up into an episodic game? It hit three episodes, I believe. Oh, so God, so why is it taking so long for an episodic game? I don't, because I mean, because it's a big I game. don't think it's episodic the way that we think of like Telltale episodic. I think literally they're they're doing they're doing. Uh, oh, here we go! I'll, I'll loop in the Hobbit again. They're doing Peter Jackson's The Hobbit movie trilogy, where oh, they're well, taking they film it all and then <laughs> divide. Well, it. and they're taking a small book like The Hobbit can easily be a a single movie. And Peter yeah. Jackson was like, no, I want a trilogy. Let's do this. Mm. And he expanded it and added all these stories and everything. And, and I, I think that'll be really good uh, because there are a lot of untold kind of side stories and, and little extra things that I think the current generation could do really well to mm. fully flesh out an RPG in three different sections of, of Final Fantasy VII's story. Um, but how long do we have to wait between episodes? Because I yep. don't... I don't want to do that. I don't want to get 20 hours into Final Fantasy VII Remake Episode 1. Maybe something's just been misconstrued, and rather than it being an episodic game, it's just released like one of those old PlayStation games where there's just three discs in the same case. <laughs> Maybe that's what they mean, and you just got to keep swapping them out after you reach a certain part. It, it, and and as digital, it's it just releases as three different executables, and it's like <laughs> yeah, launch gotta, executable two. You gotta wait for something to download. <laughs> I had to wait for three hours to play Gran Turismo Sport yesterday because of how many updates it had to do. That that doesn't sound worth it at all. <laughs> no, no, I just left it because I, I, it was like said 120 minutes, and I came downstairs, and it was like an hour had already passed, but because I'd have the audacity to use my PC at the same time. I just couldn't so, play it. Good old... I, I found an old article from two years ago where Final Fantasy VII Remake will be told across a multi-part series with each entry providing its own unique experience. 
Okay, that that scares me too. Its own unique experience. Are we gonna go like, you know, the whole Midgard chapter is like first person shooter, and then you get out to the the you know yeah. open world, and that's more a traditional RPG, and then the final one is just gonna be like a fighting game. This is a game know. that everybody knows, isn't it? I don't understand how it could be. Can it be split up like that? How would it be different? You, I think you could. You could. Yeah. You know the the problem is is. And my big issue is why it's yeah. it's a remake. I can see reimagining it and changing maybe the combat to make it a little bit more modern. I get that, and I like it. I've liked what little they've actually shown, I think, of the combat. But I don't get any reason to split it up at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're just hyping themselves up too much. Like, we've got to do all this stuff when really they could have just, you know, put it in a new engine modernize the combat and release it pretty much the same with maybe a few more side quests and a better translation yeah, probably would have just got the same and everyone would have been anyway. like oh my god this is awesome but yeah. you know now who knows what they're gonna do that's that's their whole thing with it they're just like to the wall or not at all <laughs> they didn't give the same level effort, effort into bloody chrono trigger did they they just released the mobile version of that on steam <laughs> just shove that yeah, right just, on there they just took that franchise out back and put it down <laughs> yeah, yeah. and sold Cujo its carcass it. yeah. for whatever reason yeah yeah I don't know Square Enix is uh, they, they might be coming back but for a while there they were dropping pretty rapidly mm-hmm. like the Battlefield 1 player base oh oh <laughs> so yeah, reports, uh, what was it, this morning, yesterday, something. Uh, I guess it really doesn't matter since people aren't listening to this live. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, reports of the Battlefield 1 player base just suddenly tanking out of nowhere. Did anything happen? Uh, just Battle- stopped caring? Battlefield just 5 got teased. Oh, really? Is that So it got teased and the player base dropped. The final uh, expansion released pretty recently, too. Maybe so. that was crap. I don't. I mean, I stopped playing Battlefield One quite a long time ago. Yeah, the maybe year a that few it months released. after release. Yeah. They did that thing where they split their player base too, which is an EA classic move. Uh, you know, a quarter of the people have a premium pass, and then seventy-five percent just buy the regular game. So, you know, once the expansions start releasing, you got yeah, like seventy-five percent of your your player base just dropping off because they don't want to pay for the new stuff it's a weird decision to do something like that I don't really understand yeah. why uh, just yeah they were you trying to switch it up for now Battlefront but then they uh, you know screwed that up pretty hard but the whole seasons thing was supposed to help uh, kind of sidestep the uh, the expansion player base split thing but that game has like way more problems than <laughs> yeah well the the whole loot box thing didn't help them at all and there's uh yeah the the free content for for battlefront is great uh for retaining everybody in the same player pool but at the same time it's like well you know how long did it take you guys to fix your stuff figure it out but i, I you know i'm looking at these numbers now on on battlefield 1 and and them dropping uh PS4 alone, it was sitting around like 256,000 active players, and now it's down at 41,000. 
across all platforms. It was 569,000 active players down to 90,000. And and part of me, like, is, is that really rapid? I'd have to compare it with other games to see, but we're looking at it's a year and a half since launch. Uh, like Jason, like you said, uh, the, the last um, expansion has come out for it already. So there's nothing more for these people to be looking forward to. So maybe it's now that they're just finally acknowledging and accepting, okay, this, this game is winding down, it's done. Yeah. These players are going off to play other things and getting ready for inevitably, you know, Battlefield Five, uh, doesn't really which will matter. be revealed later this month. It doesn't really matter. Battlefield Five is releasing this year, isn't it? Hypothetically. It'll be revealed yeah. uh, May 25th, I think, is right, the, so it should the be big day. If, if that's the case, it doesn't really make that much yeah. of a difference for uh, DICE, does it? Look... Two years is a pretty decent amount of time. Yeah, I mean, forty-one thousand is still a really respectable number yeah, for it a, is. a game that's a year and a half old. And, and that's console alone. That's PS4 yeah. alone. Yeah. You're, PS4. you're looking at ninety thousand across all platforms. So like twenty-five thousand split between PC and Xbox One. That's pretty good. I mean, if you yeah. look at Steam charts. Yeah, when you know, yeah you can with if you got like fourteen thousand, you can get like on there. I I don't know. It's um. Yeah, I mean, if Battlefield Four is releasing later this year, it's not, it's not, it's not that bad, really. I shouldn't, I shouldn't imagine they'd be too bothered. They've already gone through the Battlefront Two, uh, whatever Battlefront Two thing, yeah. so I can't imagine this would affect them that much. I mean, if you if you look at uh, Lawbreakers, you know, much yeah. much more rapid fall. So yeah, uh, for them to keep the audience, yeah, even that long, I think is. Uh, I mean, it was a good game too. I really liked Battlefront Battlefield One. So, yeah, I thought well, you were talking lawbreakers. <laughs> we're coming back there again. No. See, see the the difference between like lawbreakers and and Battlefield One is uh, sure Battlefield One may not be as as stark of a drop, and there's there is still a respectable amount of people on there, but it's going from a really tall mountain, you know, tumbling down this relatively steep incline, as opposed to lawbreakers, which Never is like on the jumping off the shed and hitting the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, us four have probably spoken more about Lawbreakers than the Lawbreakers developers have spoken about Lawbreakers. Why did we bring up Lawbreakers again? I wasn't paying attention. It's six, it was six episodes well, we're, in, we're just, and we brought up Lawbreakers the, uh, every single episode. Yeah, we're we're comparing how the uh, the the player bases kind of drop off and how Battlefield One is like kind of rolling down a steep incline of a mountain for a long time you know it's a big big drop but more steadily and lawbreakers was like jumping off the shed in your backyard cliff blazinski is going to follow restraining order against us eventually <laughs> oh he loves us that's my boy like like he said we're we're pimping lawbreakers more than the development yeah, studios pimping lawbreakers they've, gave, they've given up on it now we're still flying that flag we're gonna have to do a uh, Lawbreakers Twitch stream. Yeah, we are. Should do actually. <laughs> so, just you just have three hours of you searching for a matchmaking session. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, guys, it was loads of fun. Thanks for joining me today. We've raised a ton of money <laughs> yeah. for uh, St. Jude's Hospital. Uh, we'll see y'all next week. <laughs> oh yeah, so it's you know. I, I don't know if that's really that that big of a deal just based on other other studios and other games and their their player base fall offs. I don't know what how those numbers actually compare. So mm. um you, you really really got to look at things in that first hour. 
I don't know where I'm going with this. That didn't really make sense. But we're going into Days Gone's first hour now. Yeah. Yeah. Has anybody seen it? I watched I part have, of it. I, I've not watched it uh, The that first hour. I previewed it at E3. I pre- previewed it a couple of times now. You, so I'm, the first hour or just general? Uh, just general. Right. Well, I don't know if it's the it? same as the first hour, but yeah. What are your thoughts on it? Um, so I was not sold on Days Gone no. at first. I thought it looked like, uh, oh, Terrible. great, another open world else. game. Boring, another zombie game. Mm. Boring, another, you know, I, there were just all these things that it had going against it because it seemed to be just like everything else that was out. Yeah. After I saw my, my demo at E3, and this was like the third time that I finally really saw the game and saw it for what it could be, um, the dynamic elements of the open world are far and beyond any other game that I've seen and I uh. think it's going to be incredible be- just because of, of those dynamic elements of how the open world is just How do you ever- mean? Because it wasn't shown it like, that wasn't really I watched all of the first hour and it wasn't uh, that wasn't covered really they had dy- dynamic weather and by that it was like sunny in one section and then the guy lifted up his head and suddenly there was a thunderstorm which I wasn't particularly sold on but uh, <laughs> I didn't really see anything else well, what what my E3 preview showed was like, um, uh, so they showed the trailer or the you know the gameplay section during the the Sony's press conference, and then yeah. I went into my preview session and they showed us the exact same gameplay section, just with all of these factors kind of switched around. So here's the exact same section of gameplay, but oh now instead it's it's night and it's snowing and it's. You know, this happens over here, and this happens over here, and just all of these little dynamic elements that completely change the game, so that 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 same gameplay section was entirely different based on flipping, you know, the game flipping some of these switches on. How do they change the game? That kind of thing. Um. So, like, so if it's sunny and then it's suddenly snowing, how does that affect it? Well, well, not like when it goes from sunny to snowing immediately uh. but like that same gameplay section if you'd attempted to do that mission at night while it's snowing well the snow the cold slows the freakers down so they're not as active uh. so you, you don't have to avoid this big crowd of them but you also can't use that big crowd of them as like a big distraction like there's just there's a lot of these little dynamic elements that will will change the game and and it really only shows if they give you those almost side by side comparisons of going here's the exact same mission exact same you know fort gameplay section whatever it is with you know x element y element and z element changed and here's how it's different and i think they need to do a lot more marketing of the game from that perspective yeah to get people sold on it because yeah. that's that's the only time that i actually was like wow this game looks really interesting yeah, they definitely do. The first hour didn't really show that whatsoever. The first hour very much just looked like a beige open world shooter shooting that's kind of The Last of Us. A guy running around next to you, your partner who's called Boozer, who is the most amicable man to have ever had vengeance tattooed on the side of his head. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sold on it. I'm not. It's one of those games where I mean that sounds interesting. What you've said, so maybe when you're playing it, it's there's a lot more going on than there is in terms of this what what we're seeing. 
uh, in trailers and in preview footage and stuff. But it's one of those games where not only do I am I not excited for it whatsoever, but I also don't really understand people who are excited for it because it looks like everything else that I've played. Every open world game, it just looks like it's shoved into a new post-apocalyptic zone with zombies and stuff and, you know, a tedious little friendship between these two guys. The first, what they wanted to show in the first hour, which is very weird showing off a first hour regardless because that should really be something left up to the player to experience for themselves. As there isn't... Yeah, I, I hate that. Because well, then when really you go back and play the yeah. first hour yourself, you're like, wow, I'm just repeating something I've watched already. Exactly. But even aside from that, it's not really a good way of marketing a game because first hours are all about putting you as the player in the atmosphere of the world. But then experiencing that just in a like a playthrough on YouTube, it's just dull to watch it because <laughs> it's... None of the interesting zombie encounters are happening. You're not really getting any of the dynamic environment stuff. So it's just watching a tutorial. I don't really get the um, the the end game with that. But there was because uh, you get to make um, decisions, don't you, that will impact the rest of the game and impact your relationships with other people. I guess specifically the uh, little bald headed guy who follows you around all day. Uh, so there was like a scene where it was like oh you can there's a guy here who has betrayed you are you going to shoot him in the head Uh, and if you shoot him uh, your mate will like that because otherwise it'll be left for the zombies to eat alive or are you going to let him live and there was like it was Game Informer that did the preview and there was kind of um and an iron over what to do so they decided to leave him to be eaten alive by the zombies which was like the bad choice or whatever and then your, your guy who's with you just shoots him in the head anyway so it kind of negates the whole point of the of the of the encounter and I just thought mm, that's not really a good first impression of that that things aren't going to change it's just going to affect your relationship with this one guy I guess which isn't all that interesting not really having any impact Course on the world. correction. Gotta love it. Mm. Telltale at its finest, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, not, not not a big fan of that. I just don't get the appeal of zombies anymore. We've had them loads. Uh, and open world games too. Again, had them a lot. I just completed God of War, actually. And I thought the, that the open world harmed that in the end. With the whole, you know, standing on the top of that... Uh, actually, I don't know whether I should say this. Has everybody completed God of War? <laughs> uh, yeah, I have. I have. I don't know if Cameron has. I'm still in the first six hours. I'll never Okay, then I won't. Yeah, I won't then. Yeah. I would do it. I don't care. I'm nah. not listening anyway. <laughs> 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 Cameron's muted us all. Uh, yeah, um... I just yeah open world games I'm just a bit soured on them I treated God of War as very much a linear experience I didn't really do any of the side quests I know that they're okay uh, they're quite good but I, I was like into the story and I just played it like at, for as it was um, and I enjoyed experiencing it like that up until the point at the end where it kind of just ends and then you just walk down the mountain and then the credits play and then it's like so what do you want to do now then? <laughs> I thought it was very anticlimactic. Well, you you know there is a definitive Yeah, there's a true. After yeah, that, right? I know with Thor and whatever, but it's not yeah. it's a bit of a it's not the you have to do a thing, don't you? You have to go back to the whatever. Back to the the home, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's it. I don't know. Open world, uh, open games, world games to me, I think the formula needs to change. And with like Just Cause Four uh, allegedly being leaked by that whole Walmart leak, I'm really mm. worried actually because I'm like, oh great, we don't need another Just Cause. Like I just platinum Just Cause Three, and it was the one of the most tedious things I've ever done in my life. Yeah. Just because that open world is just. It's just check boxes of just here's your open world and here's what it has and here's what it does. Yeah. I remember just a period of time where it was exciting when a game would be open world because you wanted more games to be like GTA and stuff and to have that level of freedom. And now when I hear there's a linear single player game, I'm just all on board with that because I know I'm not going to spend 10 to 15 hours just completing things that are superfluous to the rest of the game and that I can just get through the story and enjoy it as it is. Which is why I like God of War because I could treat it like that. I wasn't locked out of experiencing the story uh, before I completed certain side quests. I think I completed one throughout the duration of it and it didn't change anything at all. I still had all the right level gear to do everything. Um, Like it was a bit more challenging but it was fine. Uh, And just more open world games, not into them. And Days Gone looks like the most beige of the open world games but maybe I'm wrong maybe I will want to play like The Last of Us 0.5 when it releases later this year or whenever (laughs) it is well one thing that won't be releasing later this year or anytime is the uh, Nintendo Switch Virtual Console Mm -mm, mm -mm. this is our first piece of non PS4 news isn't it I think so Yeah, this is going well for PSLS I think we're wrapping on this one yeah (laughs) um yeah, so, so basically, yeah, you guys take this one away. Yeah, so a Nintendo spokesperson basically said uh, said to Kotaku that um, there are currently no plans to bring classic games together under the Virtual Console banner, as has been done on other Nintendo systems, which is really, really dumb, and I'm not sure why they're doing it like that. You've got... Uh, doesn't, okay, doesn't Nintendo just make, like great decisions and great innovative things but then also make like the dumbest decisions i don't i don't get nintendo as a company and some of their things that they do where they they do they do some of these things that are just absolutely amazing and and you know game of the year level stuff and wow this this innovation is is just just over the top and and then they they do do some of the codes yeah. Yeah. Then they do friend codes. Then they do the virtual console. Oh, that that we had that everybody loved. That was awesome. Yeah. No, we're not gonna pursue that that whole thing. Yeah, I think a lot of Nintendo's uh, ethos is doing uh, abstract decisions for no reason other than to just make abstract decisions. I think literally their whole design process can be summed up by. Star Fox Zero where they had something that was completely fine people just wanted the updated Star Fox and they made a good game but then they just turned around and was like actually you're going to have to control the whole thing using the Wii U gamepad and it's going to be really cumbersome and nobody's going to like it they just (laughs) do things there's not it doesn't in certain decisions there's there's clearly a lot of thought that's been made like with the Switch that was obviously a whole process really really good fantastic and then this virtual console decision is so stupid, particularly considering how they're going to end up charging for their online service. And if Nintendo just made a Netflix for their old games, people would subscribe to that online service. But I don't know 
how successful that's going to be when you've got what Splatoon 2 Smash Brothers when it comes out and then Mario Kart that's not going to keep people like on that service for an extended period of time it'll be it'll be offering them all the if they put any amount of effort into it it would just it would be like absolutely destroy like PS Plus and games with gold just on the basis of how much they'd have to offer but they won't yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's a thing where uh, I've noticed sometimes with, like, especially statements from uh, Japanese companies that have probably been translated, uh, you've got to really read it completely literally. So when they say there are currently no plans to bring classic games together under the virtual console banner as has been done on other Nintendo systems, you've got to, you, you can't think outside of that sentence. It's mm. like, they're, they could just be saying, they're not going to be right called now. virtual console. Uh, you know, yeah, it literally could mm. be that that's just not the name of the <laughs> right. the new series that they are coming out with Nintendflix or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Nintendflix <laughs> contact them. Yeah, they, they Let could. Them know. It, it could just be that they are doing that Netflix type service when you sign up for online. I know, didn't even that, think of that, so shut my mouth. Yeah, uh, Nintendo. Yeah. Is that yeah. <laughs> Because I want to say we had heard of Super Nintendo games being added, uh, like being part of the Nintendo Switch Online package when they first announced it. Like you would, yeah, get there was going to be one given away per month. That yeah, was free to play for the duration of that month. Yeah, they had to backtrack on that a little. So there was initially going to do that whole yeah, like you said. You can play it for a month and then you'd have to buy it. But now, I think the current state of that whole deal would be that uh, you get to keep it like you would with PS Plus. Uh, You keep it for the duration of your subscription to their online service. The issue that Nintendo has, though, is that a lot of these games, like if they're offering NES games or SNES games, they're not really appealing individually. Um, people have played them. If you want to play these games now, you can. I mean, whatever way you want to do it, it, it it's simple to be able to. Um, so, offering like an individual game, it's fine with PlayStation Plus when you get like Beyond Two Souls or whatever, uh, which is relatively new, but Super Mario Brothers, you've played that. So, that's not going to be appealing to just get like a game like that every month. They need to have a collection, I think, and I think that's why the a, a service similar to Virtual Console, but better, uh, would be more beneficial. But maybe you are right, Jason. Maybe it's just literally yeah. um, they are planning something, but not under that specific banner. Yeah, and the weird thing is, Nintendo's like probably the one company that, even though there are tons of ways to play their games for free or on various other consoles, they can keep selling you know, the same game over and over, and people will be like, yes, I, I will take another copy of A Link to the Past. Yeah. You know, even though I have Ocarina it on... of Time, please. <laughs> yeah. I have, it, I have a cartridge, I have it on Wii, I have it on Wii U, I have it on 3DS. I'll, I'll take the fifth. Yeah. I'll, I'll get yeah. it on the Switch. Square think... Enix does it too, though. Yeah. I think I bought everything on Wii U while I was drunk. There's so many times <laughs> where I sat down and lot just turned on the Wii U, and then it was just like, ah, oh, Kirby Superstars, <laughs> and then just bought that and played it for thirty seconds and then left it. 
and drunk Nintendo. browsing of the PlayStation Store doesn't sound like a, a healthy habit for me. <laughs> no, that would be much more expensive. It's the, the <laughs> Wii U Store was expensive. You pay like a fiver for like one of these old ass games. Um, yeah. So something where it's like a subscription, like Xbox Game Pass, but with you know games, <laughs> something like that. Nintendo has the audacity too to like. They had Earthbound available for the Wii U and the 3DS, but because of how their their online service was set up, like it didn't purchases didn't carry over. So like they would literally same generation of console be like, if you want to play this on both, you have to buy it two times. You, you mean there was no cross play? Hey. No. Oh, there's a bunch of BS. <laughs> so so did did we get any questions from? No. I know on our side, nada. No. It's not going well, this whole questions thing. Maybe we should start off the next podcast by telling people that they need to submit questions because otherwise... <laughs> nobody gets to nobody the end. Nobody gets to the end. <laughs> so. We got one complaining about uh, video embeds, I think. Oh, yeah, that was a, it was less a, less a question and more... Again, yeah, people, more of a statement. People are, people are using, uh, like, when we ask for questions now, is it <laughs> just another method of following a complaint? <laughs> so that's always nice. Not just I sat- think Carry on. We're, we're just leaving people speechless. Yeah, maybe. With how great this is. Maybe they're so just... impressed by how far we've come on in six episodes that they just can't, can't even fathom it. Like questions, I'm still trying to digest yeah. how great episode six of the Crossplay podcast was. It was amazing. Questions, I'm questioning Yay. my worldview now. I've experienced this show. <laughs> yeah, right. So does that mean so, we're done? Yeah, that, that's the with conclusion. that, yeah, that that is that that's it. We're just Ooh. yeah, go home. <laughs> Wiping sweat from your brain. <laughs> See you guys next week. See you later, folks.